Hello, everybody, and thank you for logging on to Fish Bites. My name is not Aram, so don't worry if you are listening and you're thinking, wow, his voice really changed. You're not going crazy here. My name is Daniel Martinez. I am a lead writer for Fish Stripes. You may have heard my voice in Earning Their Stripes, um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we're, we're going to add a little bit to the formula here. Uh, Aram is not going anywhere. Aram will still be giving us this amazing Fish Bites content that he always provides, as well as the in-depth interviews that we have grown to love. But I'm being added to the formula. Our, our goal here is to create Fish Bites uh, into a weekly Major League Baseball-only product that takes a look at the Pro Ball Club in Little Havana, that takes a look at the direction of the team, how the team has performed over the previous week. Um, I want to do something where there is so much consistency and so much fan feedback that every single every single monday morning that's what i'm aiming for right now every single monday morning when you are on the way to work or in south florida traffic or wherever you listen to us from you know exactly what you're going to get every week you're going to get MLB content, you're going to get analysis, you're going to get scouting, you're going to get good guests, and you're going to get something radical that I'll introduce later on um, that I want to bring to this podcast. This has always been destined to be a Miami Marlins community of top-notch quality. And, and you know, I'm going to get to know a little bit about you all, and you all are going to get to know a little bit about me in particular on today's episode. But something you should know right off the bat is I believe that it's about engagement. I believe that it's about reaching out to fans. It's about making this podcast exactly what you want. The exact segment, the exact uh, quality and content and conversation pieces that you are looking for in a podcast. So I I'm going to introduce how I'm going to get that information from you later on. But I kind of want to uh, lay out what we're going to talk about today. Obviously, it's it's my first time on Fish Bites. I, I want you to know a little bit about me. I think the first thing I'm going to jump into is an introduction of who I am. And I say that because if you heard me on Earning Their Stripes, the first day I was there, I said, if a relationship is going to work here, we have to build one. And it cannot just be a one-way street where I am speaking to you and speaking to you and speaking to you, but you know nothing about me or about who I am or what I like, what I dislike. And I know nothing about you and what you want to hear and what content you want. So we're going to try to defeat that ambiguity a little bit today by me um, disclosing a bit about myself and, and hopefully uh, us building a relationship together. I'm also going to outline a little bit of what my concept of uh, my portion of Fish Bites will look like. The, the weekly, again, Monday morning, on the drive to work, what you're going to get. MLB content, scouting, analysis, interviews, but something radical as well that I want to add. Um, I won't get to that yet. I'll give you a tease for a second, but there's something radical that does not happen on other podcasts ever that I want to add into my portion of Fish Bites that I think the fans will appreciate. Today, we're also going to look at uh, a conversation for the last 20 minutes or so of this 40 or 45 minute podcast. Before uh, I, I started recording, I asked individuals on Twitter, as well as some individuals that I know are listeners of our Fish Stripes podcasts, whichever one of the three may be, 
um, what they would want me to talk about today, what they felt would be a good baseball conversation to have. <laughs> and man, did they give me a good one that I can go off on a ridiculous rant on. Um, and I'm not going to say what it is quite yet. But trust me, you're going to want to stick around for it because it's really the hot topic of everything Marlins baseball. Um, it, it just is. It's going to be able to give you an understanding of who I am, of what I think about uh, the Marlins direction, the organizational plans, whatever the case is. So we're going to get to that later on in the show. But for now, like I said, I believe in building a relationship. Um, and, and I really do. And, and when I say that, I want you to put me to the test. Right, I, I told you that um, that I'm the lead writer for Fish Stripes. G go to fishstripes.com, and there's a masthead section there with all of the you know staff writers and lead reporters, and uh, you know shout out to Ian Smith and 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 all of the individuals that work uh, with and contribute to Fish Stripes. When you click on my name, you're going to see all the articles. I want you to go to the articles and I want you to see the comments, the number of comments, and then I want you to click on the comments. It's not. Um, it's not like it was uh, pre-planned for this, but what you're going to find is feedback and then me replying to every comment. I believe in that. I believe that my life as uh, in sports should be pursuing engagement, right? It should be me giving something to you, content, you giving feedback, and then me responding. If not, then it's just me on a soapbox talking or writing and not caring about what the feedback is, what the replies are, or having any type of conversation. And for me, that just doesn't cut it. So when I say that I'm about engagement and that it's not lip service, put me to the test. Both comments. See if there's one that I don't reply to. Go look on Twitter. See the engagements. The way I run my Twitter account and the way I run my articles is the way I want to run this podcast. I want there to be a two-way conversation and something that sounds like it's only one person talking into a mic. I want you to be the one that feels like they are the director and the editor and you know the programmer of this podcast because what you requested of me is what you heard Monday on the way to work. I want you to feel like this podcast truly is for you. I mean, in my own experience, the podcasts that are great that, that make it for a long time, that have you know hundreds of thousands of listeners are the individuals that not only have good content. I mean, listen, if I don't give you good content, leave. I don't want you to stick around. But that should be the bare minimum for everyone. But good content should be the bare minimum. The, the, the ones that really hold me on, the ones that really keep me going are, are the ones like Craig Mish, where I know a little bit about Craig because his personality comes across I know a little bit about him because he he discloses. He he shares a little bit about himself. He gives us his opine, his opinion when it matters. And he backs it up. That that's that's what I want here. I want you to know me. And that's where we're gonna start off. We're gonna start off with with who I am. I, I already said, you know, my title with Fish Stripes is lead writer. I, I love writing. I love the content. I love uh, informing and also creating arguments and debates and and uh, you know conversations at the local barber shop or, or while we're having some cafecito in in Visayas or something like that. Uh, but that's not that's not the only thing that I am. You know, if you want to know who I am, I have three passions. I have a love for my family, a love for baseball, and a love for clinical psychology. 
And yes, that is a very uh, variable and diverse triad that I have going on there. You know, the love for family is, is very cliche, but, but not for me. It's authentic. It's not a big family. It's a small family. My wife, my mother, my in-laws, and I don't just say that because I think that they're going to listen to this in Trinidad. No, I really love them. And my cats. I mean, I guess the love for cat has come after I've, I've got married and my wife had two cats, but love my cats. My mom, my wife are my heroes. The things we've gone through, the things we still go through, the growth, the development. You want to get to my heart? It's either food or my wife, my mother, my family. I have a love for baseball. If not, I wouldn't be doing this. From the moment that I was born, there was a baseball in my hand. Very cliche, right? Little Danny with a toddler, you know, picture with the baseball in my hand. I'm the kid who had to play at, at Bird Lake Park, uh, at Tropicana Park, uh, you know, Tropical Park. Well, whatever the case is, and I had to be on the Junior Marlins. You better believe it. Whether it's junior high or high school, whether we eventually go into, uh, you know, coaching, whether we are scouting, wh whatever it is that I'm doing, baseball is a part of my life. Um, I had the honor of being interviewed by Jessica Blaylock uh, on air opening day. You know, no pressure, just like the most watched Marlins game for the season, likely, most likely. Um, and she asked me, she didn't really tell me what she was going to ask me, but she uh, she ended up asking the first question, you know, why is baseball important to you? Why is opening day important to you? And for me, it was uh, something to the extent of because it's consistent. You know, in the chaos of life, baseball is there. Um, and th this isn't a therapy session, so we don't have to go into my own chaos, my own childhood, but it's been chaotic. If it's chaotic for you, and I'm sure that it is in everyone's life, then of course it's chaotic for me too. But baseball is there. Baseball, the game itself, the sport itself is consistent. It's a beautiful nine-inning game. You need all 27 outs. Consistency. Baseball. What about clinical psychology? Well, clinical psychology is interesting. Um, I am a doctoral level uh, psychology trainee, which basically means you know I'm a future clinical psychologist. I've completed all my coursework. I've completed my clinical practice, uh, my clinical. Um, competency exams and my directed studies and all the milestones that we need. And I love the field. I love sitting with someone in a uh, psychotherapy room and working together collaboratively to defeat what's going on. You know, we're not avoiding it. We're attacking it. We are destroying the ambiguity. We are talking about how together we are going to build rapport. We are going to build alliance. We are going to invest in each other and we are going to get better very cliche to say I'm in a helping service because I want to help people. But you know what? Call me cliche. It's the truth. I saw what this field can do for people in my family. I saw what this field can do for people in general. And I decided that one day I wanted to be the person that could help Danny's mom or that could help uh, Danny's family member or that could help whatever the case may be that could help Danny. I've decided to go into that field and it's my passion, uh, but it definitely gets shared with baseball. Right, family takes precedent, right? But it definitely takes it, it definitely is shared with baseball, which is what we're here to talk about. So let's see. What else about me? Well, I'm Cuban American. I was born in Miami, Florida, born and raised, really. You know, I've visited a few parts in the world, but stayed in Miami and I don't think I would leave it. Yes, I am a Marlins fan. Um, you know, this is something that we're honest about in Fish Stripes. Fish Stripes is a Miami Marlins community. Are we objective? 
are we uh, informed? Are we educated? Do we know how to, you know, scout to a certain degree? Do we know what we're speaking about? Yes, but we are a Miami Marlin community. No one's shying away from that. I think this is also a part of me, right? If if you're going to hear my words, if you're going to read my writing, you should know my history. But I'll say this. What I want you to do is hold me accountable. It's very easy to say, oh, well, born in Miami, has a pride for his city, loves the sport, loves the fish. He's going to be biased. I'm not so certain. I'm, I'm not so certain about that. Heck, in Miami, you honestly get like the anti-Marlins bias, if anything. What I want is accountability, engagement, and transparency. You know, I could be a fan of the number four, but it doesn't mean that when two plus two equals four, it's just because I'm biased towards the number. There will be pro-Marlin statements that I make that are objectively reached. There will be anti-Marlin statements that I make that are objectively reached. Not everything is, well, he doesn't like the Marlins because he was a fan, or he loves the Marlins because he's a fan. No, there's behind it and that's why this dialogue will always be important also i mentioned i'm cuban so i do talk relatively quickly we're you know a few minutes 15 minutes and change into into the podcast um i'm trying to slow down my rate if i start talking about you know the rebuild or a million other different things i'll probably speak a little quicker but i have faith in you miami and anywhere that you are that if i can begin to understand my trinidadian wife within a few months of dating, then you can definitely understand me when I talk a little quicker. So I, I have faith that that, will not, that that will not come as an issue. I also know that I'll probably have something that pops into my head that I want to share with you throughout the episodes. So this is not the only time I want to talk about myself and the only time I want to introduce myself. But um, you know, just, just know that I am here to be transparent and that I'm looking forward to building this relationship with you guys. So let's talk about what this will look like. Uh, we want this to be a weekly, like I said, major league content podcast. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to provide updates on what the major league uh, level is looking like. You know, spoiler, we're not hitting very much right now. We're going to talk about what has worked the previous week, what has not worked the previous week. News that may have occurred or that you may have not heard yet. We'll dabble a little bit into the minor league system, but for that, you know, for that, you need to go listen to myself and Ethan Badowski and Ian Smith on earning their stripes, right? They're um, a podcast for fish stripes and uh, one of the three. And let me add this, you know, we don't get anything necessarily from, from you guys clicking and, and from you guys going there other than sharing really fun content. Um, please make sure you check out this week's earning their stripes. I was a. Uh, I, I bowed out from this one. I, I was a little under the weather, so I decided not to partake in this one. But Ethan and Ian did an amazing job um, with Will Stewart. Will Stewart, of course, acquired from the Phillies in the JT Ramuto trade, has been lighting up in his uh, first couple of starts that he's had this year and last year as well. Quite frankly, amazing guy. The way he talks about baseball, the way he talks about the clubhouse, he gives you some interesting and funny nuggets about his uh, his uh, his teammates. And, and his previous experience in the minor league system, uh, you know, whether it's staying somewhere that he felt <laughs> they should not have been staying, uh, but that's the life of a minor league player. So go go ahead and check it out. Um, you know, earning their stripes, the same as Fish Bites, is anywhere that you can find a podcast. Apple, Spotify, you know, iTunes, online, you're going to be able to find this. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you check out that episode and that you follow both accounts because uh, you're just going to get really good content. So. 
major league content, minor league content, more for earning their stripes. But we'll still touch a little bit about that. And then the discussion in the guest interviews. You know, I'm going to strive, and the Marlins communication department is fantastic. I'm going to strive to get Marlins players, right? To get Marlins media personality, um, to get just even Marlins executives. You know, Chip Bowers, give me a call. Let's, let's, let's make this conversation happen. But here's my radical idea. My radical idea is that no other podcast engages with the fans as much as I feel they should. Because it's risky. Like, it's risky. You could email me and you could say, hey, I would love to be on the, on the pod. It is risky to just up and decide that that's what we're going to do. We don't know what we're going to say. We don't know how that conversation is going to go. Are you used to being on air? Whatever the case is. Well, I say forget the risk. I want this to be a fan-driven podcast. And I want to have fans on here. It's as easy as calling in. Right, we would we would obviously make sure that we have some agreement of when you're going to call in and what we're going to do, but it's as easy as calling in. I want to make that happen. I'll let you know how to make that happen later on in the podcast, but that's my radical idea for weekly segments too. It should not just be me talking all the time, and it should not just be waiting on guest appearances. It should be the Miami fan base, the Marlins fan base showing to the national media and showing to the national perspective that it is a myth that Marlins fans do not exist. And that it is a myth that Marlins fans do not grasp baseball. And that it is a myth that Miami and baseball cannot coexist. Because I know for certain on Twitter, in the, uh, you know, all the engagements we get on articles, in the conversations at barbershops, that this fan base understands baseball. Is it a upset, scorned fan base? Absolutely. Is it a fan base that has gone through very highs and then been just absolutely and incredibly betrayed? Absolutely. Is it a fan base that understands the intricate differences and the tactful differences between this rebuild and others? Somewhat. But what it is, is definitely a fan base with an opinion, and I want to hear it. And make no mistake about it, it will not be opinions that I always correlate with. I don't want that. I don't want yes fans, right? Yes, man. Yes, fans. I don't want that. I want us to come in here and have a conversation where we disagree and we have the discussion. So that's my radical idea. It's not something you know that you hear in other podcasts because I get it. It's risky. It might be something that as soon as we do a few of them, um, we're like, okay, we, yeah, we can't do this. And that's fine. But I want to give it a shot. I want us to have fan input. Now, the other thing, I get, like I said earlier, and like I hinted earlier, I want this to be ran by you. I want the segments to sound like what you want. I want the content to be what you want. So I want you to write this down for me. One, I want you to bring out you know, a pad or your phone or notes or whatever. And I want you to start writing down what you're looking for. And then I want you to put down fishstripes.com. And again, when you go to the masthead section and you see our staff, you'll click my name and my email will be there. I want you to email me what you want. And I will do it. I will make this podcast about us, not just me. I also want you to remember the Jim Mandich call for the Dolphins whenever they scored a touchdown. All right, Miami. Because that's my username on Twitter. At all underscore right underscore Miami. So A-L-L underscore R-I-G-H-T underscore Miami. Tweet me what you want. This podcast is about us. It is not about me. Contact Eli Sussman. 
contact the other writers. Whatever the case may be, it's about us, not about me. Now, how do I prove that in the first episode? Well, I already am starting to do that, right? I reached out, like I said earlier, and I teased what the conversation should be like what the conversation should be like today after I give my introduction, right? I wanted you to know a little bit about me. I wanted you to know why I love baseball, why I am the way that I am. I wanted you to know that this is going to be an MLB content podcast, that we're going to recap the week, that you need to go to earning their stripes to get the minor league stuff, even though I'll touch on that as well. I wanted you to know all of that, as well as the fact that I want you to run this podcast and give me feedback. So I asked. After that, what do you want me to talk about today? What do you want me to start off with? <laughs> and like I laughed earlier and I joked about earlier, you guys chose a good one. So here's the question, right? Danny, what do you think about the rebuild? I got that from four people, right? Other people had different uh, you know, questions, whatever the case is. Before people gave me that, I only reached out to about 10. And you know, I'm going to use that 40% success rate or, or, you know, consistency rate, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose that one as the answer. So in psychology, we try to train psychologists to ask open-ended questions, <laughs> right? Because what you want is not to have a leading question or a closed question where the conversation can go no further. You guys gave me a good open-ended question with what do I think about the rebuild? So I'll, I'll, I'll attack it in three, um, in three ways. First, I'll answer the question, did, do I think the rebuild was necessary? Because that's something I see a lot in the comments section of my articles. Two, you know, what are the positives and what are the negatives? Because quite frankly, we should all be tired of the black and white thinking that happens. In the therapy room, black and white thinking is what it sounds like. It's this extreme thinking. Like there's no gray area. There's no tact. There's no context or critical thinking involved. It's either, well, the rebuild was perfect. The rebuild was awful black and white thinking. I'm going to say that I'm a little bit more in the gray. And my second point there is I'm going to tell you why I'm in the gray. And then third, just overall, how do I feel about it? Am I content? Am I angry? Am I hopeful? We'll see. So the first one, do I believe that the rebuild was necessary? Yes, I do. Without a shadow of a doubt, I believe the rebuild was necessary, and here is why. 75 wins is what that offensive core was averaging. So whenever the years that Stanton and Yelich and Ozuna and the rest of them were up, they averaged 75, 75 wins. 75 wins. When you are averaging 75 wins with an offensive core, you do not have any prospects that are coming up other than Brian Anderson which means you don't have any pitching prospects that are coming up. You don't have any prospects to trade for pitching. Your farm system is bottom three in the league. You don't have any pitching up there, especially after the tragedy of Jose Fernandez and his friends. And your bottom five in attendance. And Stanton's contract is about to come up because Laura backloaded it, knowing very well what he was going to do with his team. Guess what? You probably need to rebuild. You probably need to rebuild. You know, I'll say that statement, and I really, really think the majority of the fan base, which is really tuned in, has accepted that fact. 
Now, they might have an issue with the positives and the negatives of the rebuild, and we'll get into that in the second point. But the first point is, yes, they absolutely had to rebuild. Um, the contrarian or, or the skeptic, and I don't mind those opinions, will come in and say, well, they were two, two, two pitchers away. I disagree. They were like four pitchers away. Oh, and like five bullpen pieces. To me, that's the magical unicorn theory. The two magical unicorn pitchers away theory. It's, it's just false. They weren't. And, and you know, if, if we had those pitchers, we traded them away. Chris Paddock, gone. Heaney, gone. Marte, who's had his own issues, gone. Trevor Williams, gone. Luis Castillo, gone. They're all gone. If you had them in the system and you hadn't traded them for the likes of Fernando Rodney, then maybe possibly you look at a rebuild that wasn't necessary because you had pitching coming up. But that wasn't the case. They had no pitching and they could not acquire it. And they weren't two free agent pitchers away in what was a weak class. So they do the rebuild, right? They conduct the rebuild. Um, and, and I'll just add actually one more point before I go to the second point here. You know, you look at the recent uh, franchises that have had recent success, not just one year, no, consistent success. If you look for thematic patterns, what you're going to see is that they have a talented farm system and pitching. A talented farm system and pitching. You want to win? Get a talented farm system and pitching. The Marlins had neither. So when you ask me, is it necessary? That's the answer for me. They did not have pitching, nor a talented farm system. They weren't going anywhere. And the 75 win average is what shows that. Okay. So we move on and we say, okay, maybe Danny has a point here, whatever. I might not agree with him, but still, you know, they, they, they were only averaging 75 wins. Okay, a rebuild was needed. But Danny, you know, it's been a bad rebuild. Maybe that's your point. And, and I'm okay with engaging in that conversation. So let's do it. First off, the first question is, should it have been a full rebuild or a partial? I'm, I'm really okay with entertaining those that say, hey, it should have been a partial. You don't give in to Yelich's trade demands. You don't give in to Riamuto's trades demands, but you trade everyone else, right? A regressing D. Gordon, uh, an aging and regressing Marcelo Zuna, especially since he was a two-year rental. And then you definitely always, no matter what type of rebuild you do, you have to get rid of Stan's contract. Maybe I'm okay with that because then you have Yelich, you have Riamuto, you have the rest of the individuals that we currently have on the offensive side. And then you, except for Alfaro, obviously. And then you have all of the pitching right now on the major league roster that we would have had even without those two trades. I'm okay with that. I, I, I'm, I'm not agreeing with it, but I'm okay with the people that say that that's what should have happened. So I, I, I concede that point. However, I do not concede the belief or the black and white thinking that this entire rebuild has been awful. See, you have the individuals that will defend every single move Every single um, move that Derek Jeter, Bruce Sherman, Michael Hill, Gary Dembo, and company have done. And I'm sorry, Marlins, you're not going to get that from me. I don't love every single move, right? How boring would that be? However, you also have the people that are entirely too far on the other side, and they feel that every single move has just been awful. That's also asinine. That's ludicrous. Not every move has been awful. If you ask me, it really is somewhere in the gray. They really have had solid moves. 
if I have to, without even going into content for time purposes, but if I have to really dive into good and bad, look, the D Gordon trade is a good trade. The Ozuna trade, now we're playing results a little bit here now, is a good trade. You see what Sandy Alcantara can do. Have you realized what Zach Gallen has been doing? And oh, by the way, the, the prospect everyone gave up on, Magnera Sierra, only 22, just turned 23, and is already lighting up the minors because he's finally in the developmental year that he needs to be in. I wouldn't say the Marlins are winning that trade. Ozuna's on a tear right now, but again, he's a free agent after this year. Give me five, six years plus of Sandy, Gallen, and Sierra over two years of Ozuna, who you could bring back if you wanted to after this year. The Stanton trade was the only one that's an actual fire sale. That's another narrative that I get really tired of. Oh, well, they, they did they did fire sales. Listen, um, this is something I did a lot of research on for my articles. The rebuilds were not the same. Loria's two rebuilds were not the same as this. Laura would pair contracts of value with contracts that were um, heavy, which would decrease the return of the contract of the of the players coming back. Which is why the farm system never took the the um, increase and the step forward that this year's farm system has. The farm system never took that step forward because Loria cared more about the money than the product and the return, and he lowered the value by pairing expensive contracts with the value that he was sending out. Jeter didn't do that. Hill didn't do that. He just sent Stanton, and that's the one fire sale. That's the one budgetary relief move, um, move that we can talk about. And even in that one, go look up Jose Devers' number. 19-year-old shortstop, probably going to be the future of the Marlins there at the shortstop position. Go look up the way that he's he's swinging the bat right now, and we've always known that he could be a gold glove caliber uh, shortstop. Castro is what Castro is. I think there's a fun fact that he has actually more hits than Stanton does since the trade, and a similar war since Stanton does since the since Obviously, you know, you're comparing apples and oranges there. Still, he is what he is. Oh, and then you have George Guzman, who was a top 100 prospect at the time of the trade. Another, another pet peeve of mine when people say, oh, they didn't get top 100 prospects. At the time of the rebuilds, uh, the Marlins, who had top 100 status, Isan Diaz, Monte Harrison, Louis Brinson, Magnera, George Guzman, Sandy Alcantara, Nick Nider gained it after a midseason of being here. All of those people had Baseball America top 100 um, um, or Baseball Prospectus top 100 designations. So let's stop saying they didn't get top 100 content for that. Have they fallen off? Sure. Some of them. But at the time of the trade, so if we don't use hindsight, at the time of the trade, they got top 100 prospects back. And then they finish it up with a, an amazing Ramudo trade. Now, you want a negative? Here's my negative. When Yelich um, asked for a, a public trade demand, which for what it's worth, let me get this out of the way. I don't blame any of the players for doing so. Do I think they should have done it privately instead of going public with their agents? Absolutely. But I don't blame them for wanting to get out in their prime and go to competitive teams. I really genuinely do not. Anyway, when Yelich demanded that, I think that they panicked a little bit. You know, uh, Craig Mish confirmed that the Blue Jays and the Milwaukee Brewers were the only teams that had offers out on the table for uh, Christian Yelich, which means, number one, hats off to Stern and the Brewers for seeing the talent there, but also that a lot of other teams did not see it and did not offer anything of substance. However, the Marlins did not panic and take quick deals with JT Ramuto. 
if you remember last year's fan fest so not this year but last year's there was the rumor that came out that jt wanted to trade but they did not have to panic they waited and they got the right deal they waited in another year and they got the right deal for Rimuto. I, I think that that was a mistake to not do that with Yelich. Nonetheless, the Yelich deal is still not necessarily done. 75% of the prospects are not at the major league level. Clearly, Brinson is struggling, and we need to see what happens there. The optics of this trade are awful. The optics of this trade are awful. The man goes and wins an MVP. I think there's a lot of baseball, you know, ballpark factors there that people just love to ignore. But still, credit to him. We still do have to see, though, what Isan Diaz becomes. We have to see what Monte Harrison becomes. It just hit a grand slam this week. We have to see what Jordan Yamamoto, who quite frankly has been the best performer out of the four in the returns last year and this year, we have to see what happens. However, we now have a clear example of what the Marlins are capable of when they do not panic for a public tra uh, trade demand. Because the JT Ramuto trade is saucy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. They uh they got Jorge Alfaro, who's by far the person looking like the strongest core player right now moving forward, who was a top 100 prospect for years and years and years as a catcher, and fun fact, was ranked just one spot lower in total war for a catcher last year than JT Ramuto. So JT Ramuto is the best catcher in baseball. Jorge Alfaro was ranked one spot lower than him in total war. Think about that. And you got him for a lot more years than you would have had JT Ramuto. But don't even worry about Alfaro. You got little Pedro Martinez and Luis Severino with Sixto Sanchez. A consensus top right-handed prospect in the game of baseball. Not just the Marlins, the game of baseball. Top 25 across every list that you want to find. Getting comps, comparisons to Pedro Martinez, to Luis Severino. Kid with ridiculous plus pitches and plus control. Top of the rotation, bona fide ace, Sixto Sanchez. And then the third piece is Will Stewart. Again, go make sure you see his interview, which was amazing with earning their stripes this week. An amazing character and even better pitcher. From the left side, incredibly deceptive mechanics. Looks like a mixture of uh, Alex Wood and Chris Sale, like you'll hear in the Earning Their Stripes podcast. Incredible the package that they got for one pitcher who was demanding a trade and was going to walk in a year. Incredible return. Two years. They could have done that with Yelich. They could have done that with Yelich, but they didn't. And that's where a negative comes in. Another negative is the entire public relations the first year that they were here. Right, the the bad look of the Tommy, not the Tommy Hutton, but the Rich Waltz. Even though that has more to do with Fox Sports Florida than anything, the bad look of of the scout that was dealing with an illness but got fired. Um, you know, the the lack of transparency with the rebuild. I, I get that. I get how that's another negative, but look at how quickly that changed, because Derek Jeter went out and decided to get himself Chip Bowers. 
Chip Bowers is the man who, before the, the Golden State Warriors were good on court, turned them into a, um, a competent business and fan base off court. He didn't do it when it was easy, after they were winning titles. He did it before when it was still difficult. Well, Chip Bowers now runs the business organization for the Marlins. And if you haven't seen the differences, then that's just on you. We start the Demilo campaign which was the boxes where the fans could basically give their impression of what needs to change, right? And almost everything that was discussed there from someone who had access to these to these requests, everything has been done. The Marlins, the fans wanted uh, new jerseys, new logo, they got it. And the retail, the retail figures are showing that it's been wildly successful for rebrand. They wanted the statue gone, it's gone. They wanted the, the center field statue gone and replaced with something that was better. Now you look at the AutoNation, alley and it's a beautiful beautiful spot to see the game the ivy on both sides if you haven't gone to the new park upgrades yet you have to go it is a great experience they wanted more community outreach you got it marlins are literally building parks for kids all across miami how about lower concession prices oh you could get a bunch of food items now for three or five dollars you want better concessions we'll bring in local restaurants like pincho you want things to look nicer, we're going to do the concessions all over again. We're going to do the, 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 the walking area all over again. We're going to do the center field. We're going to do the exterior. We're going to make it so that everything that you want that we can handle right now, because the baseball side is a rebuild. It's going to take time. The business side can be done right away. You know what? We're going to spend $15 million and fix it. You want international involvement? We're, we're creating a, a complex in the Dominican Republic. You want international signings? Here's the number one international uh, prospect, uh, free agent in baseball. It's it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. The business side has been great. It's been adaptive. It's been dynamic. It's responded quickly. The baseball side, like I said, has its positives. Has its things that we would most likely be a few years away from. But let me tell you something. You don't do awful trades. And you don't have an awful rebuild by going from dead last in farm system organizational rankings, according to Baseball America, or I believe it was actually uh, bottom three in organizational rankings, to top 13 before their first rebuilding draft. Because, see, the Marlins haven't even taken advantage of, of being bad yet. <laughs> they haven't taken advantage of the rebuild yet. Last year, their pick was number 13 because it was still off the win-loss record of the 2017 team. This is the first year, this upcoming draft, is the first year where you can count it as a rebuilding draft. And even before their first year of a rebuilding draft, they're a top 13 farm system. You want proof that this works? Go look at the last five years. Go look at the five years prior to winning the World Series for the Astros. Go look at the five years prior to winning the title for the Cubs. Why don't you go ahead and do the same for the Braves? Go ahead and do it with the Royals. What you're going to see is a team that was mediocre, 75 wins, 75 wins, very similar to the Marlins, start losing and getting to 60 wins, 60 wins, and then all of a sudden getting better and winning a title. Why was that? Well, because each one of those teams, while their win-loss record at the pro level was getting lower, their organizational rankings were raising. Similar to the fish. From bottom three to top 13, even before their first draft. After this draft, they'll be top 10. By next year, they'll probably be a top seven farm system. 
And by 2021, get ready because the kids are going to be able to play. The pitching will not even be an issue at all. We're going to have extra pitching. They're going to have extra pitching to be able to trade for hitters. If you think that the hitters are an issue, sure, but we can trade for hitting. We can draft hitting in this draft. And quite frankly, it's not like the system's barren. You wouldn't mind Jose Devers up or Victor Victor Mesa, who's what, hitting 416 the last six games? What about Monte Harrison? What about Isan Diaz, Tristan Pompey, Connor Scott? There's There are bats in this system. And if not, there's finally pitching to go out and acquire the bats that you need. At the major league level, you're looking at a core of Alfaro and Anderson for certain. And hopefully Brinson can put himself into that mold as well. The offense will be there. The offense right now is historically bad. Make no mistake about it. I'm sure it's something I'll talk about for next week. But the plan is in place. So that was a rather lengthy number two of what are the positives and what are the negatives. Number three, again, is my overall feeling. Guys, my overall feeling is content. I'm content with where we're at. And I'm hopeful for the future for the first time in a very long time. There are many fans, and I get it, it's not the national perspective, but there are many fans who tell me they have not felt this hopeful, quite frankly, since before Jose Fernandez. Because there's reason, there's reason. Every single night that you look in the minor league staff right now, you're going to find an arm taking the mound that could be a future ace. Every single night. Sixto Sanchez, um, Nick Neidert, Jordan Yamamoto, Braxton Garrett, Jordan Holloway, Trevor Richards, Will Stewart, Zach Gallen at the major league level, Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, Caleb Smith, Trevor Richards. You want to, I mean, Chris Valamont in in single A. Everywhere you look, there is someone there. George Guzman, Edward Cabrera. These are all names that are going to force their way up. And if they don't force their way up, they'll be used as a piece to get hitting. Farm system and pitching. Farm system and pitching. That is what leads to success. And that is finally what the Marlins have. I don't blame anyone for being angry. I don't blame anyone for feeling like that scorned lover or abused or betrayed or not wanting to grasp the prospects or not wanting to really dive into that. We want immediate satisfaction. We want winning right now. Well, guess what? We weren't getting it with the previous core. It's really that simple for me. Pitching in a talented farm system, the Marlins have it. You want to know how I feel about the rebuild? It's a necessary evil. It's a necessary way to get to where you eventually want to go. When Miami Marlins are winning again, Miami will pretend that they never left. If they kept losing, they'll pretend they were never there. It's what part of this fan base is. And I don't blame us. I don't, I don't, I don't blame the city of Miami for this. I I really don't. All I ask is for a little perspective. So you wanted to know how I felt about the rebuild. That's how I feel. I feel it was necessary. I feel that there's clear positives and clear negatives and that the answer is somewhere in the middle. And I'm content and hopeful. Will I miss Ozuna as he hits five home runs in the last six games? Yes. Will I miss Yelich? Will I miss Stanton? Will I miss these players and seeing this offense? Absolutely. But I'm not going to miss 75 wins. Now, 
we're going to be wrapping up shortly for today. I want to highlight just two things again. One is that the only change here is that we're going to start doing weekly podcasts on my end of it, looking at MLB content, dipping a little bit into minor league content, but really that's for earning their stripes. So we're not going to touch that too much. And that you could expect this every Monday while you're driving to work. Two, I want to engage with you and I need this podcast to be about you. I want this relationship to be built. And for the relationship to be built, it means that I need your feedback. You want honesty? I am honestly going to be disappointed if I don't have one email or one tweet or one anything about a segment that you want for next week. I want you to take advantage of this. I want you to take advantage of me here. I want you to tell me exactly what you want from this podcast because that is what will make it successful. If you're a fan and you want to be on the on, on the air, let me know. We'll set it up. It's as easy as you calling in. We can make this happen. We can make it a success. And all I know is that the same way that I have passion and love for my family, for my field, I have passion and love for baseball. And as long as you meet that standard, you are more than welcome to be here. All right. I love you all. I appreciate you guys listening to me. Make sure you follow and subscribe on everywhere that the the podcasts are available, whether it's on Apple, iTunes, whether it's on Spotify, whether it's online. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter as well as Fishtrip so that we can engage. And just know that I appreciate you listening. You have a good one.